Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. Some people really like to go deep on stuff. And sometimes those are the people who are celebrated more. But I think that if you are someone who can be a bridge and who's interested in many different things, you should celebrate that too because you bring a different skill set. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hi, my name is Madison Kuhn, and I'm currently a web developer for Maricopa County's Library District. I've been listening to Esprit's Women in Tech podcast for about a year now, and I started listening when I was ending my degree over at university. It really did give me a positive outlook during those times where it felt so hard for me to relate to my peers. And I can fullheartedly say that all the stories and women you hear about in the podcast truly do reflect women in tech as a whole. Their stories that they share are inspiring, motivating, and sometimes they are just hilarious to hear. The best part about the podcast is that it's not just the engineering side, but also women who work for and run tech companies across the world. Esprit has truly cultivated what being a woman in tech is. If you'd like, you can connect with me through Instagram or YouTube by searching my handle, The Hippie Hacker. If you too want to connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech, remember you can go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. We would not be able to support and celebrate women in tech around the world if it weren't for you. Thank you so much for being a listener and a fan of the show. To contribute and donate, simply go to womenintech.fm on the upper right-hand side and click Donate, which empowers us to continue celebrating women in tech around the world. Thank you for being a part of our journey. Command Line Heroes is an original, highly produced, award-winning podcast about the people who transform technology from the command line up, presented by Red Hat. And this is not a technical show. This is a show anyone can enjoy, featuring experts from across the industry. Season four is airing now, so subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and stick around to the end of the show to hear a sneak preview of the brand new season. Hi. I'm walking to outside pop-up co-working today. Outside is this community of big houses around the world where it's kind of like boutique hostel living. They would hate it if I said that. But, I mean, it, it, it's just like, it's like grown-up living, but when you get to be communal, whatever. You guys get what I'm trying to say. I really like it. And they're doing a pop-up co-working today, so I thought I would go. I wonder if anybody will stop as I try crossing the street in this Los Angeles hustle and bustle. Um, People are usually not very road-friendly here. (laughs) Um, New Year's been good. It's been really good, actually. I feel like July 2019 into the end of the year was a time for a lot of like beneficial discomfort. I like to say that I was evolving from the discomfort and 
moving into the new year, it finally feels like I shed my skin and I'm transitioning into like the next level, which is nice. I definitely was not enjoying the discomfort phase, but I understood it was an important part of my journey to evolve into what was next for me. It was just really hard to go through. It's funny with all my breathing heavy, it's like I don't work out, but I do work out all the time. Who knew such a casual stroll would be so taxing on my endurance? Anyway, yeah, I decided to walk instead of drive, which is very un-LA like, but I was like, well, I'm taking the day off of exercising today because I think I've been doing it a little bit too much lately. So I was just like, okay, you need to relax, but then you should go on um, like a nice walk, brisk walk to be healthy. Okay. So this year has felt like it's, um, like it just feels great. I started off by the end of that last year, really focusing on habits, um, listened on audible to the book, atomic habits, been making all those micro changes and staying committed. It's really just mind blowing how attainable it is to reach goals. If you just do little steps every single day and like release being so attached to the, the far off outcome, you know? So instead of it's like, I want to lose 20 pounds. It's just like exercise and eat clean and do that every day, but not so simple. It's like what atomic habits teaches you is two things to make it a task that you could do in under two minutes. So like, if I want to read a book, that's one of my goals to like read a book a week. It's just like literally read one page a night because it's just like building the habit where my body starts to just be like, this is what I'm doing right now. And then eventually I'll do a little bit more. And sometimes I do read a whole chapter or whatever it is. I can't believe how out of breath I am. I'm not going to stop walking though. So yeah, things have been going good and I could sense it in my energy. I've been really prioritizing my health, putting my health before anything else, which I think is making my work life better. Um, Reevaluating my company operations to make sure that I'm putting the right processes in place and also just be sure to like get rid of any dead weight, which I might be emotionally attached to. Like there's products within my company that I'm like, "Ah, I'm not so sure about it. So I'm just kind of like really revisiting why do they still exist? Do I want them to still exist? Am I just holding on to, you know, an expired dream? And yeah, so I think it's good. I feel pretty good. Yesterday I spent time with my mom, so that made me happy. And um, yeah, I feel, I feel really good. I know a lot of people have been saying that 2020 has been off to a rough start, but I don't know, man. My end of 2019 was like bumpy. So I feel like feel like this is off to a good start for me. So wherever you are in your life, I hope that you're nurturing yourself and not being too harsh a critic and letting your body and your mind be where it wants to be and just, you know, going through it at your own pace. Don't let anybody try to tell you that you need to be something else. Just be you, you know, just be you. Have people around you that accept you for who you are. All right. I'll see you in the next episode. Enjoy this one. Bye. celebrating women in tech around the world. So excited to be here at CES 2020. What? How are we in a new decade? And I'm with one of the best companies in the world right now. I have been experiencing just 
the utmost innovation, connectivity. It's been incredible. It's called Dell Experience. And I'm so excited to be here with Magna. Hello. Am I saying your name right? Yes, you are. Okay, perfect. I've only said it about a million (laughs) times before we got started to make sure. I have been so blown away by the experience here. Let's kick things off. Go ahead. Tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. So uh, my name's Meghna. I am the vice president of the mobility group at Dell. And how long have you worked with Dell? I've worked with Dell almost a decade now, which is strange in a time where people switch companies so much. And you were asking me what I do. I mean, the title doesn't really tell you exactly what I do. But in short, um, I'm responsible for product roadmaps uh, and execution of uh, the commercial line of business. So Latitude line of business. It sounds very Mm techy and very complicated. Mm -hmm. What does it mean? And when did you first discover the world that you're in now? I planned to do what I'm doing. So I always liked technology. I was always very good at technology, but I've always loved the, you know, business side of things as well. So before I did my MBA, I was doing consulting and that kind of gave me that business side of things. But uh, my background is computer science. I'm a computer scientist by degree. Uh, And so Dell really, I I chose to do product management and Dell was one of the only companies at the time that I was looking for a job that I felt like I would fit into. So let's start from the beginning. When did you first fall in love with technology? When was that moment? Um, I was thinking about this just the other day. I think I fell in love with technology. So I'm from India. I spent my early years growing up in Delhi. And my dad was one of the first few people who had a computer in our house. Mm -hmm. And at that time, uh, you know, in the 80s, we didn't even have cable TV, you know, early on. Right, right. So having a computer was a big thing. And uh, he had to install like an air conditioning unit just to be able to run that computer. It ran so hot. And I fell in love with technology when he introduced me to the game of bricks. It sounds really Nerdy. There is a, uh, it was a black and white, ran on MS-DOS, like a really strange game. All you did was hit a bunch of bricks and, you know, see how many bricks you can, <laughs> you can erase at one time. Yeah. I mean, like really, really old school, Pac-Man yeah, type, yeah, you yeah. Know, type of stuff. And I uh, beat a boy in my computer science class yeah. where we were playing games. I beat him at bricks and I was like, yes. I like this. This is what I'm going to do. The bricks is what got you there. I feel like your bricks was like my Mortal Kombat. Probably, yes. <laughs> and so how did you evolve from video gaming into learning about the world of tech? Did you start studying it? I mean, you said you studied computer science, uh-huh. like, but was there a hobby in between before? You know, I've always been kind of a jack of all trades and a master of none, to be frank, or master of some, let's put it that way. Um, I want to get into that, yeah. I I love, I've always loved science and math, but I've always loved literature and history. So I don't think that there's a a particular moment that I said, look, I got to go do tech. It just, it's just the intersection of how can technology help people? Right. Right, right. Uh, Or like as Dell likes to put it, how can we drive human progress forward? And that's really what throughout my life has been this. I've always been on the on the cusp of both good at technology, good at math, enjoyed it, but always asked, okay, what can it do for others or what can it do for the world? Yeah. Let's get into Jack of all trades, master of none. So it's such a common topic to say that we should, uh, you know, focus. I hear that focus, focus, focus in order to be successful, focus, focus, focus. I mean, 
What are your thoughts on, I, I find it really annoying. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that one should find a focus early on. Ooh. I think that it is fine to be just curious mm-hmm. and interested in a lot of things because you never know when, you know, something random that you were interested in actually helps you later on in a in a career. Right. So at least growing up, I was always into sports. Right. I was into dance. I uh, was always into every single subject that you can right. study. It was all about what's the new thing I can learn. And same thing in college, right? I did computer science, but I took a lot of classes in sociology and psychology and business. And, you know, when I did consulting, my MBA and then came to Dell, I really found that product management, the reason I'm good at it is because I've been interested in a lot of different things. Right. And I can be that bridge, right. right? It's only if you're interested in a lot of things and you're not focused on any one thing. Because if you're focused on, you only have a limited amount of time in life. Right, right. So if you're focused on just one thing, you're not focusing on other things. So I guess it depends on what you want to do. If you want to be a rocket scientist, you maybe you got to be focused. Yeah. But at least for what I do, I think not having focus is just fine. Being a bridge is more important. Being able to bridge different areas. Maybe the focus is the bridge. Mm-hmm. Could be. Just uh, learning about other people or other subjects and being naturally curious and putting two and two together, I think is more important. So you're saying don't worry about focus. Life is like a buffet. Mm-hmm. Test everything out. Mm-hmm. For you, it's the bridge. I think for me, it's connectivity. I'm most excited about connection. And mm-hmm. so the overflow and the complementary thing amongst everything that I do is how do I form meaningful connection for others, for myself, everything's mm-hmm. that. So I, I love that. But I, I personally struggle with the whole focus. Everybody tells me this focus yeah. word. all It's like a bad word. Yeah. So it should be another F word. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it just depends on your personality and what you find interesting. Yeah. You know, uh, some people really like to go deep on stuff. Uh, and sometimes those are the people who are celebrated more. Right. But I think that if you are someone who can be a bridge and who's interested in many different things, you should celebrate that too because you bring a different skill set to a team or to a company or, you know, to life in general. And so you started studying engineer. Was it an environment that you're like, I have found my home or? No. Okay. No. Uh, I actually, I didn't, didn't do engin- engineering. I did computer science. Oh, computer science, um, sorry. And I did it, so it, it's more of a natural science, a math, algorithms, that kind of stuff, and, and coding. I loved portions of it. The portions of it that I loved were like the debugging parts, yeah. right? So I was always the person who people would come to to say, I, my program doesn't work, how do I fix it? And I would love sitting there. It's, I think it's just a part of me loves telling other people what they're doing wrong. <laughs> but, uh, but I think that I love that. That, uh, that to me was the most interesting part of computer science. Yeah. But I think that, again, back to the whole, you know, the, the, what you brought up around focus, if I was only doing computer science, I would hate it. The reason I did well at computer science and I enjoyed portions of it is because I was able to do other things, you know, that maybe I wasn't always good at, but like I love doing world history and, you know, Middle Eastern politics and like those kinds of things as well. And what was your first professional experience from school or out of school? When you say school, do you mean like after UT, like after my undergrad? Yeah, yeah. Because I did harass people in market research when I was in you know, high school. Yeah, but no, let's, let's go. <laughs> let's, let's rewind to high school. I'm in. It's interesting. So again, I grew up in India and people don't really do 
summer jobs and and things your your focus has yeah, yeah. to be your grades right and so you don't work until you finish your masters and then and that's when you actually start working right but my mom was in advertising and i wanted to make extra money and so she got me this gig harassing in people in high school uh, yeah when i was in high school uh, harassing people in various colleges and other schools yeah. about uh, their thoughts on gender stereotypes and uh, sexuality in india for levis for levis yeah, they oh, were doing wow. so it was you know i guess they just thought that i would be really good at making people talk about things that were not necessarily comfortable yeah. and so i just walked around various colleges and schools and asked people about their thoughts on gender it was wow. very interesting so so that's actually again back to my love for product management yeah it's a marriage of like i love marketing i love research i love getting to know people but i also lo- like technology and 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 understand it but i feel like an opportunity like that would also give you a really thick skin when people are in an uncomfortable situation and having the conversation even in a state of discomfort i mean you have to have some level of resilience mm-hmm. in that kind of conversation mm-hmm. where did you evolve from from there yeah so and when did you even come to the states i came to the states to do my undergrad okay in computer science I came in when the recession had just hit so right. you know or I graduated when the recession just hit so 2004 time mm-hmm. frame uh, international student so I didn't really have a whole lot of opportunities right. but again back to my you know it's always about that's why I said the the focus thing and the bridge thing yeah, I yeah, keep yeah. going back to that I love because it. I had done a degree in a technical side right, right. but also had a business degree and liberal arts kinds of courses right. you know deloitte at that time thought that i was a good candidate to be a consultant right, right because right. again you bring that marriage of different skill sets right. and so my first job out of uh, undergrad was actually consulting i did that for 4 4 and a half years traveled all over the us working for uh, learning actually uh, you know different industries and did that for four and a half years and then decided okay time for me to settle down into just one city and one thing but i love that different industries it's like you've stayed true to yourself and your curiosity mm-hmm. for many things no matter where you were in yeah. your profession yeah so i was really curious about healthcare i was obviously wanted to do a lot of technology did some insurance it was all over the place but it was a lot of fun who were your main mentors or guides or even if they were kind of secret silent yeah. guides that you just sought out like you were really inspired by these people early in your career i don't think i have one mentor I have been very lucky that I found I latch on to people who I find interesting mm-hmm. and I bug can I say about I bug I bug the hell out of them or the shit out of them. <laughs> I don't know if I can say that or if you need to cut that out. No, no, it's um, fine. Fine for me if it's fine for the team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I bug what's what's a better word to use? Just Whatever. so everybody has them. just so everybody has context <laughs> because I think we will leave this in like we have we have amazing teammates sitting here watching us supporting us while we're having the conversation <laughs> using alternate words. Yes. <laughs> um so I tend to go to a lot of people for questions. Uh, I'm all about like I said curiosity and but efficiency. So if I can't find the answer really quick, I'll just ask someone who I think is really good at it. Right, right. And most of the time people love being asked what they are good at and they love teaching you. So I reach out to a lot of people who are good at a lot of different things when I want to learn stuff. Right. But I also have been in a very lucky position of having 
just mentors within my family. Right. My mom was an executive in advertising, like I told you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my father-in-law was an executive in IT and banking. Yeah. And, you know, my husband is a huge support system to me because both of us graduated UT together and kind of went through the our career path at the same time. Right, so we've right. been able to talk to each other a lot about different situations that we're facing. He's actually the real you know, geek in the family. <laughs> so if I don't understand something uh, about, you know, something new, I ask him, right? So I've just had a, a really good support system. I've had very, very good bosses. I don't think I've had, there's, there's very few bosses I would say were not good bosses. Right. I've had really, really good bosses who have given me a lot of leeway. And uh, when I ask, I always receive. So when that's I, a lesson. That's important. Talk about that a little bit. I think that's a really important thing we shouldn't just brush yeah. over. I think, uh, and I tell that to anyone new who, any young person who comes up to me to ask me for any kind of advice about career and any of that. I'm like, first of all, do not be afraid to look stupid. Ask questions. Right. Because if you're asking a question, someone else is thinking it. Right. So it's okay. I mean, people don't judge you. You know, don't ask a hundred dumb questions. <laughs> but even if you feel that the question might not be perceived in the right way. Right. Ask it. Right, right. Um, so ask a lot of questions and ask for help. And unless you tell people what you want, they're not going to know right. whether to give it to you. So make sure that you're letting people know what you want and asking them for help because most people want to help you. A lot of times there's hesitation of, I'm not good enough or I'm going to sound stupid yeah. or I go through that on Jill knows or I don't want to Jill's bother here. them. She, she knows I go through that on a regular basis. Jill who's sitting in the room yes. with us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and how do you ask anyway when you're having these thoughts flow through you? Stick around. We'll be right back after the break. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created getpodcastlisteners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out getpodcastlisteners.com. That's getpodcastlisteners.com. How do you ask anyway when you're having these thoughts flow through you? I have learned over time to just ignore that internal voice that tells me, oh, it's a stupid question or should I not ask? But it's difficult and I have done it over time after a lot of prodding from a lot of different people saying, do it, do it, yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And I deal with it with a lot of positive self-talk. It sounds really... You said I deal with a lot of positive... I deal with it by, by doing a lot oh, I got, of oh, positive I deal with it. <laughs> self-talk, right? Like every time I'm like, oh, that's a stupid thing or yeah. I look stupid or I can't do it. Yeah. My strategy is to tell myself, no, you've done it before. You can do it, yeah. you know. I and think as driven women we are, we always want more and more. I, it sounds like you may um, have the same thing where I rarely meet my own mm -hmm. expectations yeah. because I'm always setting them higher. Right, Yeah, I do. And so again, the way I deal with it is by just coaching myself, like talking right. to myself all the time right? or talking to trusted people saying, I, I, you know, was that okay? Or tell me, what do I need to do? Right. And asking for feedback. 
Okay, so you're going through your career and you've had amazing bosses that were like mentor figures Mm -hmm. and you're a very curious person. So whenever you found somebody that intrigued your interest, you're like, I'm I'm asking them everything Uh I want to ask. And then where did you evolve from there? So back to what I said in the very beginning, I think it's rare that people stay in a company for as long as I have. At least if I think about my peers after doing my MBA, not many people have stayed with the same company. And it's an interesting story about why I chose Dell. I actually got pregnant with my first kid while I was in MBA and chose to pick Dell because I had interned there and and my manager was a woman. You had interned there. I had interned okay. there. My ma- and that's where I discovered I was pregnant. Yeah. And I thought my career was done. And my manager there sat me down and she was like, don't worry. You know, there's nothing to worry about. I have three kids. And I saw other women around me who had kids. Yeah. And I saw men around me who had kids and were willing to talk about their kids at work. Right. Or were willing to leave work for appointments with kids or watching games or parent teacher meetings. So that's really why I thought that this was the place for me. And that's why I've stuck around for 10 years. And I had another kid through it. I've been able to do multiple roles within Dell. Again, back to the curiosity and wanting to do different things. And all of that experience has kind of helped me, you know, get to where I am. I kind of chose breadth and focus, if, if that makes sense, right? <laughs> I chose one company yeah. because I felt comfortable here and I felt like I had established myself right. and my reputation yeah. and I didn't want to go reestablish myself somewhere else. But I chose a lot of breadth in the company and I was afforded that opportunity. One thing I want to make note of that I've discovered while being here at CES and doing the whole Dell experience was the diversity that Dell has. It's no joke. Like, I've never seen so many colors and genders mm-hmm. in every single room I go to related to Dell. I'm like, yeah. what is this? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, and and yeah. we're even we're going to do better, right? I, I I know you were at the press event yeah. that Sam was talking about. Sam's right. the the president of Client Product Group, yeah. and he was talking about by 2030, 40 percent of our people leaders will be women. And I don't remember the statistic, but a huge wait, uh, wait. But then I saw JJ's talk. Uh-huh. Yeah, can you tell everybody who JJ is? JJ is SVP of communications for Dell. And so JJ said the fir- same thing, 40%. Uh-huh. She said, you know what? No, 50%. <laughs> <laughs> so um, no, it seems like it's a very sincere, genuine, uh-huh. I don't even want to call it initiative because i that's the thing that's really charmed me about Dell this week is that nothing seems like an initiative. It just seems like a whole lot of action. Uh-huh. Like initiative exactly. usually talking about something. I feel like Dell's just acting. Like I, li- I wish everybody could experience what I've experienced because it really, I think it is rare. Yeah. And I'm around a lot of professional environments and I don't, I don't see this kind of collective community very often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you're right. I mean, in a sense, Dell still has a lot of its relationship-based startup culture. Yeah. So again, back to why I've stayed for 10 yeah. years, right? Like I've always been able to find people who will take me along and give me honest feedback, tell me where I need to get better yeah. and tell me what I need to do if I want to go. Again, I asked the question, right. what do I need to do if I want to move to the next level? Right. And I always got honest answers. Right, right. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about your internship mm-hmm. because it's really important. Mm-hmm. Where did you find it? It was through our the standard process of, you know, I went to Kellogg, uh, at Northwestern and it was a to get your MBA. Yes, to yeah. get my MBA and it was a posted internship. But um, 
I think my manager at who or my to be manager called me and within 15 minutes she was like okay that's fine I I don't need to interview you anymore I, I you know it's fine she she closed the interview and I was like I probably just bombed that and then I got the offer but what's so interesting is that you wanted to do an internship and the reason why I wanted to bring up internships is because some people are allergic to internships mm. they think that no I just want to go straight to the the main thing mm-hmm. is it part of MBA culture it is it to, is very much a part of I mean it's a very typical thing that uh, between the two years of an MBA you spend a summer working at uh, you know a company where obviously they're looking to recruit you to come right. in full time so it's great for companies because they get new young talent and get to attract them uh, and it's great for uh, you know the MBA students because they get to try out something that yeah. they might not have known and you know i hadn't done product management before right i had maybe some of the right ingredients but uh, it was a great way for dell to test me and why did you decide to get your mba like i said i had a technology background right and i had studied some courses in business but um, i wanted to do product management at some point of time and i felt like um, that combination of management courses and general management versus plus technology would serve me well. Obviously, getting an MBA did really... It did. <laughs> it served you a yes. lot. And okay, so you had this internship. And then what was your biggest hurdle in going from internship to full-time employee? What was the biggest hurdle in kind of... I don't I don't want to put words in your mouth, so not self-confidence or something, but, you know, to leap from one type of position to like really making it... Um, I think it'll go back to, some people call it the imposter syndrome. I think it's all me. Like the hurdle is my own belief of whether I can do something or not. I think, like I said, if you ask, you receive. Gathering up the courage to ask and thinking yourself worthy enough of certain positions. Yeah, yeah. That for me, the been the biggest hurdle is, like I said, I'm my biggest critic And I used to think that I needed all of the experience of the next level before I got considered for the next level. Yeah. But that's not how I saw, you know, it's back to that age old thing about women wanting wanting to be promoted for performance versus a lot of men want to be promoted for potential. Yeah. And just changing my mindset and saying, why not ask for something based on potential and also that goes back to having a strong belief in self that that we're capable of learning yeah and to just say yes even if we're afraid exactly I think overcoming fear is one of the biggest skill sets that is needed as you grow in your career what is a huge obstacle you've successfully overcome and how did you overcome it in your career and not necessarily just Adele it just in your entire career at any point I mean just exactly what I said you know I've always I don't know the right words for it but I've always had self-belief It's not that I ever doubted that I could do something, uh, maybe self-confidence or I I don't know the right word for it. But uh, making that leap from feeling like I have to prove myself to why not me? Yeah. And you presented on stage at the press conference. Where did you learn? You, I mean, your presentation was great. Uh-huh. You were so confident on stage. Where did you I learn that? I was a that? bundle of nerves. <laughs> My hands were cold. Uh, I spent, um, I think, uh, four days rehearsing. I sat my children down, my nine-year-old daughter and my (laughs) six-year-old son, and I presented to them twice. They made them sit down and be my audience. So I I do all kinds of stuff before 
I can appear on stage and appear confident. I'm glad you thought I appeared confident. I, I was a bundle of nerves. I love that vulnerability. It's funny when I give speeches as well, I always make sure to let everybody know just how nervous I was mm-hmm. up until I got up on stage. Because I think when people see people on stage, they just think we figured everybody has the Instagram perfect life, right? But then we ourselves, like the real reality of what's going on, we all have our own nerves and weaknesses and insecurities. Um, I love how open you are about that. What is the best piece of advice that you've gotten? I would say treat your career, and it, it came from my mom, treat your career as a marathon and not as a race. You know, again, when I joined Dell, And because I stayed at Dell for 10 years doing a lot of different roles, I felt like, you know, there was a point where I felt like a lot of my MBA colleagues were kind of leapfrogging me. Not that it is a competition, but I am a competitive person. And I, you know, I was looking around and, and saying, okay, how come I'm not moving on as fast as some of my peers are. And uh, I, I remember talking to my mom about it and she was like, it's a marathon, it's not a race. You had a kid during your finals at, yeah. you know, when you did your MBA. Yeah. You're going to have a different career path and you want to have kids and, you know, family is really important to you. Right. So you're going to have a different career path than a lot of other people who might make different decisions, which are the right decisions for them. And I've really taken that one to heart. I love it. Okay, a couple last questions. One, what does your day-to-day look like? My day-to-day, I would say, what does my hour-to-hour look like? <laughs> yeah. um, I wake up in the morning. What time? Probably 5, 5.30. Okay. I get my kids ready. My husband does uh, breakfast while I do their lunches, drop them off to school, and usually get on the phone as soon as they're out of the car, talking to somebody from my team about you know what I need from them that day, that week, that month. I'm usually in the office up until four, rushing through different meetings and back home, dinner, soccer, swimming, you know, all of the things that a mom has yeah, yeah, to do. Yeah. And then after I've put the kids to bed, maybe spent like 20 minutes with my husband. <laughs> I'm usually back on with Asia. But uh, I, have, I have a really, really full day. And uh, my thinking time is when I drive yeah. or when I shower. <laughs> <laughs> I know about the showering. All my ideas. And how can people connect with you? Where is best to connect with I know you're not on Twitter. I'm not on Twitter. We've talked about that. I think, yeah, it's a lot of uh, time commitment. Yeah. And I don't have that yeah. time. It's good LinkedIn. to be intentional with your time. LinkedIn. LinkedIn? Yep. And can you spell your name for everybody so they could find uh, you? Meghna, M-E-G-H-A-N-A. And last name's Patwardhan, P-A-T-W-A-R-D-H-A-N. And three last questions I like to ask. One, what is your favorite tech tool? It can be software, it could be hardware, it can be an app, can be anything. Well, and it can be Dell. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the one that I really use, again, going back to, I, I talk about being a mom and a wife a lot, right? It's, that's it's nice. Anyways. I think it's nice. Um, I have a new, you know, those doorbells that are smart. Yeah, right? yeah. I have those and it really helps me coordinate a whole bunch of stuff at home yeah. because I can let my housekeeper in. Oh. I can see when my daughter's home from activities. Yeah. I can tell my husband, hey, open the door. The package guy is outside. <laughs> so I think, you know, it gives me a lot of security and, yeah. and, and, and sense of safety that things are being taken care yeah. of at home. But I would have to say, if I connect that to, again, technology allowing you to 
work more intelligently and, and be more productive, like achieve more things yeah. in the same amount of time, uh, I, I have to make a plug for my my product. Right? Do the it, product do it, do that, it. that I was on stage yes. for the Latitude 9510, back to, again, using productivity, which is so, so important yeah. for our commercial customers and design and intelligently predicting how your system needs to work to save you time and allow you to right. be more productive. To me, that is, it's it's a really good parallel between something I use at home and something that I would use at work. And your favorite book? My favorite book, not related to anything we talked about at all. Salman Rushdie's Harun and the Sea of Stories. What is it about? Um, it's about a young boy who has lost his mom and his, uh, I'm, I'm doing this very badly, but his father uh, builds up this really fantastical tale yeah. about him and his mom. And it's just a beautiful story about relationships. Yeah. And I, I loved it so much. I named my son after the main character oh, wow. in the book. That's awesome. And last kind of grand finale question is, was coming to the States from India your first time when you went to school? It was my first time in the States. Yes. What was that um, like? Uh, it was amazing and scary, right? Amazing because it gave me a lot of freedom. Just being here, I, I had no family here. So just being here on my own, not understanding the accent and sometimes people not understanding my accent, not knowing context. Like sometimes I still don't get a lot of context about like when you guys talk about football and <laughs> things that you did in high school and proms and I have no idea about right, that right, stuff, right. right? So that I think again, but it was a learning opportunity and there was so much to learn, yeah. but it was very, very scary. And I think being here alone, you know, figuring out how am I going to get a scholarship? Uh, do I maybe skip out on lunch so that I can save more money to pay my tuition, right? Those things were, were scary, but character building. Totally. <laughs> Is this the first podcast you've been on? Yes. Okay. So that's got to be one of my favorite questions ever because I'd say about 99% of the people I interview, uh -huh. it's their first podcast. And for me, I look at that as like, it's a privilege that this is only to several more podcasts to come. I like, hope so. Well, I guess this is the most natural I'll ever be on a podcast because it's the first time I'm doing one. <laughs> um, it's been so great. Thank you so much for making the time, for being inspiring, for being determined, all the things. I just loved it. Um, if you want to connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech around the world. Remember, go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. Takes you straight there. Womenintechvip.com. Say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Meghna Patwardhan. I work for Dell Technologies. I am the Vice President of Commercial Mobility. What that means in plain English my team and I build laptops for businesses. We're based in Austin, Texas, and you are listening to Women in Tech. I'd like to tell you about an all-new season of Command Line Heroes, a podcast presented by Red Hat. No one ever said hardware was easy. In season four, Command Line Heroes is telling seven special stories about people and teams who dared to change the rules of hardware and in the process changed how we all interact with technology. In the world of modern technology, we open our laptops, scroll endlessly on our smartphones, send tons of data to the cloud, and we don't think twice about it. But have you ever wondered how we got to now with our personal devices? 
and what it took to get here? There was this blue box on a table, and he said, well, here it is. I said, well, what is it? He said, it's a microcomputer. What it took were teams of engineers and programmers who had the vision and audacity to build new machines. These machines, they revolutionized our lives and blew the doors open to what was possible. How many people here had a computer versus how many people intended to get one? Only one or two people actually had them. And they would bring them to the club meeting. What are you going to do with it? And nobody had an answer. The key thing about timesharing was that the computer needed some way of being able to sort of stop its own clock. The uh, creators of the floppy drives are not household names by any means. If it wasn't for that, PCs would have been adopted much more slowly. This January 28th, we launched season four of Command Line Heroes, an original podcast from Red Hat. And this season, it's all about the hardware. We'll hear the stories behind some iconic machines and the people who dared to create them. I was the kid that always took things apart, took my older sister's toys apart. This is just another bag on the side of the eclipse, a skin job. Nope, this is a whole new machine. The process of passing the tapes around and encouraging and building upon each other's results is really what made the personal computer industry. We're exploring mini computers, mainframes, the first personal computers, floppies, early smartphones, and game consoles. And we're also going to hear how the community ethos that drove those early hardware heroes to build those machines still exists today in the open source hardware movement. The values of sharing are still there. I mean, it's in the entire open source community. The machine, in a way, was kind of a bit character. It was the people who were the real guts of what it was about. I'm Saranya Barak. Join me for an incredible new season of the podcast. And keep on coding. So thank you, and uh, eat your sandwiches. Season 4 is airing now. Subscribe to Command Line Heroes today, wherever you get your podcasts. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Adam Carroll. Show notes by Carl Marty. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.